Hello, and welcome to The Purpose. I'm Bill Brunson. And I'm Kip McClurg. And today we're going to be talking about Philippians, the second chapter. Uh, and we'll, and really the whole passage is verses 1 through 13. But to start us off today, I'm going to read from the J.B. Phillips translation of this passage. I want to read verses 1 through 4. Now, if your experience of Christ's encouragement and love mean anything to you, if you have known something of the fellowship of his spirit and all that it means in kindness and deep sympathy, do make my best hope for you come true. Live together in harmony. Live together in love. As though you had one mind and one spirit between you. Never act from motives of rivalry or personal vanity, but in humility, think more of each other than you do yourselves. None of you should think only of his own affairs, but I would like to see, I would like you to see things from the other person's point of view. I always love the way that that reads in the J.B. Phillips translation, that idea of a, a community of faith, a body of believers that well, cares for one another as much or more than they care for themselves. And like I say, this is the passage that fell uh, to us this week in scripture in, in our service services, but it fell on World Communion Sunday, and that's significant. Yeah, World Communion Sunday started in 1933, and so we have to kind of go back in time and, and get a feel for where that's at. The world is in the midst of the Great Depression. They had come through World War One, thinking that that would be the kind of the war that ended all wars. And now you're starting to see uh, new uh, leaders, totalitarian leaders, wanting to create huge empires again. And, and those, those drumbeats are starting to sort of sound again. And so the pastor at – and I love the name of this church uh, – Shady Side uh, Presbyterian Church in – Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, he wanted to do something about it. And so he uh, started the idea that if every church would celebrate communion on the same day, it would send a message to the world and and to believers that there's something bigger than even the most uh, totalitarian, the most bullying of people who want to take over the world. There's something that's actually already taken over the world, and that is the kingdom of God. That's right. I mean, the the idea of a connected church, a connected body of Christ that is worldwide, is is pretty amazing, and what that can accomplish. And what I I like about this passage is is raising us up and saying. In, in a way, don't let the standards of the world around you define who you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to act and how you're supposed to treat each other. You know, when this when World Communion Sunday first happened, we were not that far away from uh, in in Germany in Nazi Germany the total disrespect and abuse and massacre of the Jewish people and. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that really lines up with this idea of we're supposed to treat others as as good as or better than ourselves. And so, what Paul is telling to the church in Philippi is the same message we needed to hear back then in the 30s and 40s and 50s, but also what we need to hear now in the 
20s, <laughs> is that the church is bigger than all of this. And the way the church calls us to live and the way Christ calls us to live is more important than what the world tells us. I mean, Paul tells the church in Philippi, we're supposed to have the same mind in us that is in Jesus, basically saying, if you want to think about that in a different way, we're supposed to learn to think like Jesus, think about others like Jesus does. And when we do that, the church can be a pretty amazing place. I, I really also love the second half of this uh, passage because it's considered one of the earliest hymns. And I think, for me, one of the fun things, if I were a little bit more musical, would be to figure out how to make those words back into a song uh, that you could sing. But he 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 dives into this really this this hymn and says, describing uh, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, part of Thanksgiving, um, excuse me, part of communion, in our uh, in our history, we call it the Great Thanksgiving, and so we begin the liturgy, uh, and it's titled that, and that word in Greek, Thanksgiving, is Eucharist. And so in uh, churches that are Roman Catholic or uh, Episcopal or other churches, they may call it a Eucharistic service. But it's a service of thanksgiving. And this passage for me is, is Paul remembering in thanks what Jesus did for us. And really, it becomes a model for what we can experience in communion. Communion is not something that is a is a – just a remembrance, but it's a live event where we believe that Jesus is really present with us. And when we go back and think like Paul of what Jesus sacrificed for us, then communion becomes this truly this thankful moment where we we can receive gratefully this incredible gift that God has given to us. That's right. And, and to be able to Think about all that all that Jesus has done for us, and then to ask what kind of examples does that set for us as His disciples when we're supposed to be thinking like He thinks? Um, it is a it is a it's a challenge for us. I mean, the church in Philippi that Paul is writing to was established around between fifty and fifty one A.D. and um, and Paul really it was on his second missionary journey, and he's the one that creates this church and and most of the people that were in the church were gentiles uh they they were gentiles gentile converts to the christian faith and there were a lot of women that were involved in the church in philippi and there were problems in the church and there were challenges in the church and paul's answer to the challenges in the church is the same thing as Paul's answer to the challenges in the world. It's we need to be more like Jesus. That if you want to get along in the church, then you get along, you, you act like Jesus. If you want to get along in the world and make the world a better place, uh, you act more like Jesus. And that's a simplistic, that's a simplistic message. But think about 
the challenges that brings because the call of Jesus isn't like the uh, it's not a set of of specific exact rules that we follow oh i've you know at the end of the day we can't look back and say oh i checked off items 1 through 33 and so i'm good today no the call to follow jesus is a call to to change our lives i mean the idea that jesus is equal with god in the godhead the trinity and yet comes to earth and doesn't force anyone to follow him because I'm the son of God, therefore you have to, but instead comes as a servant and comes humbly and is willing to willing to be a human and have a human name and live a human life and die a human death. I mean that kind of that kind of of transformation of being able to not count yourself equal to God but instead put people first that that kind of example for us of what it means to to live as a disciple of Jesus means putting Jesus first in our life putting others first in our life being a servant and that's a really big challenge for us it goes against really just the very nature of you know human beings as they are born into the world which is when we face someone who is in opposition to us or disagrees with us or say things differently to almost go on the attack and our world lives where that's now the norm uh, in social media in news reports and and how people interact in social spaces uh, trying to win the argument trying to come out on top uh that is the norm of what you're supposed to do. And then you come back to this passage, and we're reminded that's the very opposite of how Jesus ruled the world. He ruled the world not by being more powerful, but by being more of a servant. So every time we receive communion, it's a moment for us to remember this is how we're supposed to be in Jesus. And it's very different than than what we experience in the world around us. Because Jesus goes to the cross and dies for us, gives his body and blood, as we do in communion at the Lord at the at the Last Supper, symbolizing his death. And he didn't say that he was doing that only for the disciples seated there, because you know that that was it wasn't exclusive to them and when he goes to the cross there's not a moment in the seven times he speaks from the cross there's not a moment when he says now this is only for a certain number of you hmm. but instead he dies on the cross for anyone and everyone who would look up, who would look to him for salvation and so he is there he's dying on the cross for the person who already loves him like John his disciple standing at the base of the cross and he's dying on the cross for anyone who would later come to realize that he's the messiah even if they are as horrible and vile and all you know just awful as they can be um and I always think about the last supper that in that moment 
he serves communion to you know he serves communion to his disciples knowing that peter's going to deny him three times before the rooster crows the next morning um and so we've all experienced that kind of love from him that we should be thankful for that he sees us problems and all issues and all and yet he loves us and gives us his body and blood. He, he offers us salvation. He offers uh, us the Holy Spirit to live in our life. He does all of that. Even though we're sometimes not the best people in the world, he still treats us, well, like friends and loves us. And then he calls us to be like him, which means, you know, treating others the way he would treat them. So what would it look like if when we're when we're ready and we have our fingers po- our thumbs po- po- poised over the keypad on our phone to respond back to something on social media to fully blast that person that we that has just said something or th- that we don't agree with or has a stand or a stance that we don't approve of what would it be like to think how how does Jesus see this person? And if I have the same mind as Christ has, then how should I respond to this? Probably change a lot of our <laughs> change a lot of our Absolutely. posts. <laughs> yeah, it it makes us think in totally different ways, and to be reminded that you know we we are like that other person. We they're going to experience the same pain that we would experience if. If we'd received that post, they're going to experience the same anger that we would experience if we received it. And so we are really inflicting that pain. And what Jesus uh, is uh, is saying to us, what, what Paul is saying to us uh, in referring back to Jesus is stop that cycle. Stop the cycle of hate and stop the cycle of anger. Simply be the servant and be the one to say, I am not going to go down that road right right i love in um in the the merchant of venice there is that wonderful um scene where um in uh, act three uh scene one you know it's one of, I, I, I looked that up by the way i i don't have that depth of of shakespearean knowledge yeah i'm, I'm thinking disney world so I'm, I'm trying to think exactly what turn we're making we're, well yeah. yeah it's great yeah. i know but in, in in that in in merchant of Venice, uh shylock has that great monologue that he does where he he starts talking about um am am i a jew hath not a Jew eyes, hath not a Jew hands, organs, dimensions, senses, affections, passions, fed from the same food, hurt with the same weapons, subject to the same diseases, healed by the same means, warmed and cooled by the same winter and summer as a Christian. If you prick us, will do we not bleed? If you tickle us, do we not laugh? If you poison us, do we not die? Well, before I go on, if any are casting for Shylock, that was my audition. And uh, just let me know. You can find me on the church website. Uh, but I think about that with th- this question that he asked. You know, it's pointing out, well, this is everybody. You know, we all have these same similar things, 
if you prick us, do we not bleed? If you tickle us, do we not laugh? If, if you hurt us, if you hurt our feelings, are we not wounded? I mean, we, we all share these things, and Jesus sees that in each of us. And he reaches out to us all with love. We have to accept that gift, but he reaches out to all of us with love. What would it be like if we were like Jesus and we reached out to others with that same kind of love, understanding that they experience all those same things we experience? And sometimes when when they're not at their best, it's because they're experiencing something in that moment. And, and rather than judge them, what if we found a way to love them? Because that seems to be what Jesus would do. And so this passage uh, clearly points us to a new way of living, a different way of living. And um, it's a way that is thankful and one that we can be reminded of every time that we receive communion. So uh, next week uh, we'll be looking um, at Matthew chapter 21 and looking at uh, what God calls us to do in our lives there. Yes, we will. And so I hope you will uh, tune in for that as well. And we'll see you then on The Purpose.